0: she was missing for nine days. I heard about it, all about it, man. She was missing. She she did huge dress for that cause, boy. But she was wrapped in a blanket and, and it was found by her body, and, and there was no signs of violence. But she she took huge dress for the car, and there was no signs of violence, and she, she accepted, that she accepted unexpected shit. So she was missing for nine days. I heard about it, all about it, man. She was missing. She she did huge risk for that cause, boy. But she was wrapped in a blanket and, and it was found by her body, and, and there was no signs of violence. But she she took huge dress for the
1: you're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger here with my co host, Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And our guest today, Blake Edwards of Vertonin and Crippled Intellect Productions. Hey, Blake. Hello. Uh,
0: old friend of all of ours. It's been a long time, so this is super exciting mm-hmm. to do it through screens. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Maybe someday in person, but for now, hey, we'll take it. Te- definitely.
1: Yeah. Blake picked a really cool record by uh, an industrial luminary, Zev, under, well, sort of an earlier alter ego and something that Blake had actually reissued in 1999 as the first CD on Crippled Intellect, right?
2: Indeed. Yes. It's just, yes. The
1: second CD on Crippled Intellect being the phenomenal crawl unit everyone gets what they deserve. (laughs) Just Mm. a random uh, mention, but come on.
0: One, (laughs) two punch there. I mean, come on uh absolutely one of the greatest cds
1: and this being zev's and Un's memento life sentence and save what what a cool thing to talk about you know with someone who cared enough to track this thing down and release it but before we get into that connelly's what have you been listening to
0: we've been in a giallo zone uh for the past few weeks And
3: it's probably because we got the forgotten jolly boxes. So now we just won it everywhere.
0: We're just in the zones. We've been watching a lot and listening to a lot of soundtracks. So some standouts have been bird with the crystal plumage, my dear killer. Mm -hmm. What else?
3: Just fun. You Stella.
0: Fatal frames, fatal frames. With, fatal
3: frames. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very so, important. So yeah,
0: been a lot, been a lot of, lot of soundtracks around here. Actually, yeah. that's kind of been our zone this past week, along with watching a lot of great movies. So that's, that's kind of been it. I mean, you know, always a lot, always a lot of noise going on. Oh, and actually, we discussed, we did a seven inch episode with Blake, and we did the, actually Tara, please pronounce it. Alien are It's so wait, so much better than when she says it than when I say it. I'd say it some horrible way. But we were listening to Triptych as well as the uh, trilogy, the uh, three CD trilogy of death. Doing the Seven Inch of the got us in the zone for that. Those albums you could just listen to for 24 hours and you're, you're setting a good atmosphere in, in your home. Mm-hmm. So can't ever go wrong with that. But that's been, I think, I think it has been the a good chunk of listening. Yep. Yep. I would say that's pretty good. Blake, what have you been listening to?
2: Well, Lon Del Rey's Chemtrails over the Country Club just came out. So oh. I've been I've been listening to that. Um I'm still though it, I'm still com- not coming to terms with it. But I'm still figuring out how I'm how I'm working with it within the rest of the releases because I'm still pretty hard hard uh Press to compete against Born to Die and Norman Fucking Rockwell. So this this is a quieter, like more honeymoon level thing. So I'm I'm letting it sink in a little bit. So that's been um, taken up. A-
0: yeah, we totally love, agree. We, we love honeymoon, and that was it, That was a
2: grower. Yeah.
3: I like
0: how slow and long that one is. Yeah, uh, but Norman Fucking Rockwell is great. We Tara and I got a chance to see her at the Hollywood Bowl. So did I. On the tour. So
2: did you I. Or, you no. or you saw her? Oh, or you saw you saw that tour. And yeah. I actually have a. You, you too will like this. I don't know, Gray. We haven't you haven't mentioned anything about Lando Rey yet. But I made a T-shirt, a Lando Rey T-shirt that was her name inside the Pepsi logo, written nice. in the Pepsi typeface for that song of course, um, I of love course. It. and there's a there's a i sent one to simon morris because he and i had bonded oh, over londo, right? oh, so there's, there's a photo of him like chilling with the with the londo right pepsi that's shirt beautiful um oh. yes yeah, so we, I, we
3: I love that she's got pepsi and buttweiser on lock you know
0: yeah i did <laughs> i did we also saw her on the ultra violence tour and oh. i always say that it was the it was a, it was the least amount of wait for the men's bathroom I've ever been at a show there was actually I was the only one in there it was insane and then the the line for the women's bathroom was like wrapped around it was it
2: was amazing we yeah when we we saw her it was the frequency when she came on stage was just terrifying so it was all much people <laughs> younger than us and a lot of ladies that were just it was insane shriek oh. Anyway, so... Well, the Lana Del, Del Rey
0: podcast. Yeah. Uh, well, you two, thank you for tuning in to the Lana Seriously. Del Rey podcast.
2: Well, <laughs> if, if you don't want that one, uh, Swift's Folklore has been on repeat as well. That's that's a lovely one. Yeah. I've been And then if you want to do noise, um, <laughs> Vanessa Rossetto's What Is Your Middle Class Problem? I've been checking that out, which is delightful that No Rent just put out. Um, I got a copy of uh, Joe Coley's Chapel Action. He sent me a copy of that that I went through and then the only last thing i want to mention because it does of course tie to taylor swift is uh i've been listening to a lot i picked up three rebecca harkness lps um and she's the subject of the song last great american dynasty um and i have one of her records there are two from 1957 one is the cleanest record i own it is it is like Hmm. pristine. like like i will get when i got um uh, Violet's, bent, Violet's Bent Backwards Over the Grass, a lot of the lawn over. Like that had mm. more surface noise than this record from 1957. Wow. It is, wow. It is absolutely, it's not my favorite audio because it's kind of, it's for dance, for ballet. So it's pretty orchestral, but it is pristine. It is absolutely incredible. I, I don't think I own a cleaner record than this wow. uh, Rebecca Harper. Interesting. So. <laughs> so that's my past week. Awesome. <laughs> Great.
1: What about you, man? Oh, man. Well, you know, we did that tech episode with Chris Sienko, and I threw on the Out of Context CD from Pure. And if the tape we listened to kind of settled into a zone for both sides, the CD completely foregoes any idea of that and just goes through like a million weird sounds and settings. And uh, it's really cool. Another great Pure release. Obviously, we just talked about the Neural (laughs) Pure CD. Uh, Just, in, you know, always a good time to listen to a Pure CD.
3: Heck yeah. Uh,
1: yep. Bad Sector and Contagious Orgasm. I know I talk about Bad Sector like all the damn time. Connolly's probably talking about Contagious Orgasm all the damn time. But yeah,
0: hey, you know what? Definitely it's do. The Venn diagram. Boom. Uh, right in the middle.
1: Two great tastes that taste great together. This sounds exactly like both bands, uh, but together, it's perfect. It's like such a cool thing. The Vacuum Pulse CD. It was originally a, a tape on Old Europa, and then, uh, hey, Old Europa did us the favor of making a CD of it. And damn, I love CDs. So. That one is getting played. Uh, We did a Tender Love episode on the Patreon for 7-Inch Sunday. It was the Tender Love Anemone Tube 7-Inch. And that 7-Inch is awesome and plentiful. So, uh, you know, don't hesitate to grab it, even if you didn't hear the 7-Inch Sunday. Although you could by subscribing to our Patreon. I grabbed the Psy War Don't Blink Tender Love tape. Uh, No clue when this is from. No clue what the hell it is is it is not the gritty textural concrete noise found on his side of that seven inch split it is recordings from television uh recordings of uh, like televangelists sally jesse raphael type stuff uh diarrhea sound effects uh like all all kinds of stuff it's it I'm, i'm not even joking it's like it's a it's a
0: well, psy warfare. It's an audio collage. It is. It yeah. is psy
1: warfare. Like there is, yeah, st- stuff from the television show Cops, spoken word stuff, court TV type stuff, uh, uh, little bits of grind or like a band playing or warming up. It's really, really. Did you? Strange. Was it one of
0: those where you like? Or like, did I get the right tape? Like I when mean, you know, like when you are like, it's yeah.
1: got to be the right tape. It's on a nice, uh but well, you know what I mean. Fuji dr one type it. one tape with oh, the. Uh, yeah, modded there modded. You go. In the case that fits it, you know, it's got the like little indent.
0: The c c c c c. That was an extra four. <laughs> I think five. C's. CC ah, c, uh, c Phantasmagoria c. is in a, a case like that, and I I love that so much. And they have the tape goes in. The, you know, that odd way that only those Fuji tapes did. Yeah. Why
3: is that so exciting? It, it just is. You know what? Just It is.
1: <laughs> it is.
3: Uh,
1: I was doing some late night work in my studio and I f- saw this just like sitting around and thought I'd throw it on. It's the, uh. I don't know how to say this thing. It's that circle with a, with a slash through it. Like a diagonal. Slash. Zero. No, it's
3: unit it, zero.
1: It's not zero though. It's because it's not a, it's not an, uh, it's a perfect circle, not a uh-huh. an oblong circle or whatever, an oval. Uh, it's it's Mika Vanio. Uh, it's oh, on Saco, oh, okay. and it's like super stripped down, minimal four four techno, uh, but like done the way Mika Venio can do it. So like, if you like Panasonic, if you. Like his solo work. This one is a cool and weird, strange thing from the nineties. I want to say, uh, comes in a weird little envelope and last, but certainly not least got a package in the mail yesterday. And first thing I threw on today is cryocene exclave on new forces. This is a collaboration between Stefan Aun. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, from Kyostad and Breaking the Will and Form Hunter and Matt Betke of Scant and uh, who co-runs Thousands of Dead Gods with uh, Justin from Shredded Nerve. A beautiful CD uh, collab of the two of them doing their things. There's tape loops. There's weird drony atmospheres. I swear track four sounds like you're behind a wall of dryers at the laundromat. Like it's just got this deafening sort of hum and clatter of things rolling around, like they threw a bunch of pennies in the dryers and snuck back there after hours. Uh, but it sounds better than that. Like it just it just sounds awesome, uh, exciting. Two two artists I really like listening to, and they have a collab project now. So nothing wrong with that. Awesome, killer. Yeah, it's well, a lot a lot of stuff. You know.
0: Hey, what what else? What else? Should anyone be doing? Got to be listening to. Listening to sounds. Put some noise on. Listening to behind the dryer. (laughs) And before we get into this.
1: Incredible CD. a Quick word from our sponsors. Whether you get off on sonic extremes, skilled think pieces, or psychologically damaging soundtracks for personal ritual, Misanthropic Agenda has got you covered. Misanthropic Agenda is a noise, sound art, and electronic music label founded by Garrett Whitmer in 1998, releasing CDs and vinyl by the likes of Mersbau, John Weiss, Joe Colley, Dave Phillips, Francisco Marino, Death Throws, Lasse Marhog, Jason Krumer, LHD, and many more. Use code NoiseExtra at misanthropicagenda.com to receive free shipping on any size order in the United States. Oh, and they've also got a band camp.
0: Tronics, fine purveyors of heavy sound since 1997. Featuring new and classic releases from Alza Galzaga, Airway, Astro Romero, Black Sand Desert, The Cherry Point, Government Alpha, The Haters, Hijo Kaiden, Neural, LHD, Lasse Marhug, Paranoid Time, Richard Ramirez, Scald Him, Sewer Election, Sissy Spacek, Spastic Colon, Trance, Unsustainable Social Condition, John Weiss, and many more. Visit iheartnoise.com for details. Zev. So, Blake, this is a perfect artist and CD for you to choose to discuss with us. And you know, a lot of that is a lot of times how we do these types of episodes with guests talking about albums. We sort of have a guest give us a couple, couple ideas. Mm -hmm. But when gray said, dude, Blake picks Ev, I was like, it was this immediate, like (laughs) there's, this is, he's the perfect person to do this. There's no one else who should do this done and done. So this is really exciting for us to talk about with you.
2: Lovely to hear. Thank you.
0: I guess let's just start with your relationship with Zed from listening to eventually meeting and and you know putting out records by him. When did you first hear him? Give us give us the path.
2: Yeah, it's um I first heard him and I first heard Uts actually in 1987. Because um, I picked up this comp that had put out live at Target, classic, and Latin, also has yeah, it's a it's third release. It's got, and I was trying to remember like why I picked it up. Like I don't know if it's because I'd heard of Factrix, heard of Flipper, thought the name Nervous Gender was amazing, but I also think it might be because on the price tag, my or the sales name, I said Zev on it, and I was talking to Gray a while ago about this. Like I first had borrowed a book called tape delay from a friend of mine when I was 17. And that was my introduction, like before I got to the industrial culture handbook. So in that, like they would talk to test department folks like this when, and Boyd Rice was talking about stuff. So I think that's where I first got the idea of it. And I probably didn't hear his stuff until I probably picked up, I think elemental music, which is also another one on subterranean. And that's, that's how that really started. But the Oontz material that immediately was uh captivating in a curiosity because there was so little of it i mean i would get the Subterranean catalog and at the time i would not have known to look up stefan weiser which is his birth name and look up the um Unz, the life sentence box because they did they just released that in like 86 i i, I hadn't the, the capacity to think about that i was just going to record stores where i grew up and it was it was such a as when he and I interviewed him about this in the book with, that came with the C D, this this explosion of language that was nothing I could correlate with or make an analog to to what I knew at the time. Like it right. wasn't it wasn't non-straight wall of noise. It wasn't throbbing gristles and I will call them songs. It was sure this mm-hmm. it was this explosion of language. And he actually described it as like you know sending these little packets of information that are extremely condensed. And that was thrilling to me because it was so confusing. I could not put my finger on it, and so I wanted just more of it. And I could not find it at all. And but you know, life goes on. I found out that um, I think that, well, Touch must have done the um, the one foot in the grave set, and there was more Uts on that. And I'm like, great. There's like 25 minutes over two CDs, I think. And what was so more valuable for me about that is there was writing about it. So I wanted like what. What makes someone do this? Like, again, I'm I'm in the very rudimentary noise stuff. Again, I've got the Zeb stuff. I've got the non stuff. I've got Throbbing Grizzle, SPK, and all stuff. And this was just so far afield. And it really spoke to my idea of language and using and how words inform reality. And that captivated me even more. And then when in about 96, maybe it's when I started actually communicating, was uh, about doing releases on the label and stuff like this. And I would often ask them, like, do you have any OOt stuff? Lying around, and he thought it was hilarious. He's like that—that project. Nobody gave a shit. Nobody cared about that at all. It was too much. It was so based in sound poetry, and and he was doing all these persona pieces. And so he would send me tapes, like of recordings of like various Zev shows, like at the Pyramid or whatever it is. Like you know, because I was trying to find something to put on what became the the Steel Plate Ten Inch of his. I put out, and so he would send me all stuff. Then lo and behold, you know, over over time, I actually. Wanted to do. I heard. I talked about life sentence. He didn't have a copy. I contacted Steve Tupper at Subtraining, which is not the person you want to contact about this stuff. he is the. I was talking to Chris about this when I borrowed this lovely mic he let me use, and he said he made the great comparison as Stephen Tupper. So, th- and this is like probably in the mid mid nineties, I guess. He is the cranky guy at the hardware store who doesn't want to help you and right. i was like but doesn't want
1: to
0: doesn't want to find that like, thing
2: that you want yeah that, that's exactly what chris can yeah.
1: for something uh, else i went to subterranean <laughs> maybe five years ago yeah and actually got to dig through there and uh can confirm not finding a thing he'll point to a pile maybe
2: yeah and and that was and so i i emailed them and by the way you know they have the old catalog hasn't been updated since 2002 online which is again beautiful love and, it i know and, i love and don't that. even need and the wayback machine seriously and thank I said, you. you yeah i said do you you know do you have any the master or something for for uh you know life sentence he's like yeah. Uh, somewhere probably out of the time I'm like okay eventually when i went down to the stop and this is when they were still located right next to srl you know he. i went in and i was i was like i want to buy some stuff he's like it was i was the biggest pain in his life and so i'm like you know, <laughs> i'm trying to find like an angst hasa fefranos seven or something he's, right, just like, right, right. He, he's just like looking at his watch like what i'm like. You know, again, I'm too young to be like, where do you got to be, dude? This is I'm, I'm trying to give you money for this. Um So he you didn't still have, have
0: any cooking stove beats? Uh <laughs> well, well, or, or
2: The nervous gender deals about the youth thing. since so that apparently well, went.
0: Well, cool. that but it, what's interesting, though, about subterranean. Just to side on. I mean, I that you could still get first press subterranean with the with the catalogs in there. Into the nineties and maybe even in the early two thousands. And yes, and maybe that even was still. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and
2: like it's, the Chrome box set, still $17 or wherever it was listed. Right, at. Like, <laughs> right?
0: Yeah. 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 Cause I know our copy of the nervous gender. Yeah. It's still has the old catalog mm-hmm. in it. It was, it got it sealed probably in the late nineties, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was still yeah. the same pressing from whenever it came out.
2: You know, I love that. Totally. Yeah. between him, we could talk about between him and like Eric Lanzalotta with anomalous. Like that was right. Gateway stuff. And Eric Lanzalotta played a role in this subsequent thing anyway. So I started doing a search for um, life sentence and this guy who lived in Chicago actually will Reader, whose name I tragically spelled incorrectly in the brochure, even though we made a big deal of it's I before E in this case, and I screwed it up. He, <laughs> he had a copy. He had a copy and he would sequence it for me. And this is where, again, it's so wonderful working with someone like Zeb because when he did Life Sentence, he was very much into, uh, you know, Burroughs, like this cut up technique and the idea of like splicing things. And he was saying, okay, now that we have this technology, the CD technology, can you insert cuts like every 15, 20 seconds so that you can play it on random and have it further cut up into text? So Mm -hmm. Will chopped it all up and then. I didn't realize this, but the cassette's only 30 minutes long. And I was like, that's a letdown because I, you know, this is like, again, not just because the first release, because this stuff is like, I want so much of this stuff. And then uh, lo and behold, I decided one day to go home from work. It was walking distance. I decided to check my email, which I rarely did. And this is, and I, and Eric Lanslotta had sent out an anomalous catalog and lo and behold, the the what follows up from save what, which is the Kremlin Party cassette, he had that for sale. So what I, a way I awesome. emailed him, I called him, and I was like, I need this. And he he answered me. He's like, I just posted that about twelve seconds ago. And so <laughs> what it was I meant got, to be. Then I got Kremlin Party, and that blew me away because that introduced me to what, and, and eventually Zev sent me more files. But short form short form versus long form boots, and they're they're different animals. And I was. Again, I'm captivated by it because I'm captivated by how he what he does with language, and so that's putting those two pieces together to make that first release. And then I, I did um, a limited edition, which I'll also put on the screen, but you can't see. So I did a version of it that is an homage to the original. I can't open the original because it's filled with shattered records. So like that's the release, but mm-hmm. you know he had done in the in the original. There's like the life sentence book, and so I had also. Done as close as I could to a life sentence book with the brass rings and stuff like his, because I wanted them. that's kind of wacky with 3D. But yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just a little, I mean, just a little cassette. But that 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 that's it. That's life sentence. Wow. And and so it was really it was fantastic to be able to meld those two pieces. And then back to language, I had an email chain with him talking about the UNS project and the story behind it. And that was that was, I would say, enough for me. But then when he gave me you know two more cds worth of its material later on that was even better so that was that was my introduction to getting more of this stuff out there because the box the life sentence was 100 copies and the kremlin party was 50 and it was made it, just for the people who went to the party and this is like wow. 1986 or whatever and it's like this is <laughs> this is like super tiny editions like yeah um and so yeah that was that was the backstory of that and but Zeb just found it hilarious it's like i have no idea how you're going to do anything with this stuff. Cause it was just, it was so far field that people knew him as the guy with the metal percussion, right? And this stuff was like, it's back to like the two Stephen Weiss, Spicer, seven inches he'd done sub training. It's like, it's sound poetry. it's like poetry isn't really a big seller for most people, but the stuff he was doing was just so beyond the, the ken of anything. So that was, that's really how I got invested in this, in this project and getting as much, and put it, releasing as much as I could about it because it was just, it just fascinated me and still does.
1: This release really stands alone. Like the style of the vocals, lyrics, the delivery, the, the sound poetry, concrete poetry, like sort of a visual medium of poetry translated into the audio realm with what to me, especially at a pleasant volume. And I can only imagine what performances were like. There's such a, weird underlying power to all of the sound on this that is it just has this tectonic thrust to it like it really feels very physical tactile sound and that i think comes from probably the the sort of instrumentation he's using which i'm sure we'll get into but it i can't think of much that i've heard that has this quality to it in terms of the pairing of these two things
2: Yeah. The the closest I've, and I I want to be clear that it was like nothing at the time I heard, like the closest I get is now Eric Lundy in a way. Right. And and I've actually been collaborating with Eric for the past handful of years. Like, but his, his, that idea of putting the voice and or even for me, like that, that vocal element, like you're, you're touching on gray. Like, that's why I really like the stuff that, that the UN stuff, the Eric Lundy stuff, Monty Cazaz's stuff. Like, they have these very distinct voices. Like, the way there is, um, on one of the poet, poet extensions, seven inches from Zev, uh, Stefan Vicer, the way he says aspersions, he just, like, draws these words out. And they're so, again, Kazaza does that, as does um, Eric. And it is it is so uh, to who they are as people. It's their voice. Like you can't really replicate it. Like, again, it's not that... Everybody's gonna have the same death metal distortion pedal, but the voice, you're not going to be able to replicate as much. And what you're saying is you think, yeah, they are, they're taking advantage of that to create this environment of sound that you're, you're going to be hard pressed to get anywhere else. And then the uh, tectonic sound thing you mentioned, especially for me, uh, save the what, like the way that starts is just so, and again, we will get into, it, I guess, but it is just so overwhelming. And then at the end of it, how quiet the audience is. Like he has <laughs> sucked all the air out of the room and it's just, and for a project that people were heckling early on, like that, that is a, that that's an amazing, amazing presence. So. Yeah.
0: The, the so the way this CD is laid out, like Blake was saying, it, there are tracks, but they're all broken up into 15, 12 seconds, 20 seconds with the idea that you could put it on random. Now it is sort of one of these, it is definitely a late nineties idea. Whereas probably many people's CD players at this point. I don't even know. I mean, Our CD player is a DVD player. I don't even know if we can do that. Do the, uh, I don't even think it has that random. Yeah, I don't think the
3: DVD player, Uh, but it is
0: just that funny thing where it now, this is an artifact, like a CD with the idea that to play it at random. Uh, And, but, but I, I can see how this would really work. Now, of course, the caveat being if save what comes up because it's a forty minute track,
2: yes, probably
0: best to <laughs> skip past it. I mean, or not? I don't know. It just depends on what you what you're what you want to do. But you know, the way these tracks are laid out, I mean, it is very there is an overall palette that goes throughout the first ninety eight tracks, or you know, whatever the you know the chunks are. But the but the noise does d- develop because because you know the it's really this layer of sound and then his vocals and the way he does his vocals like like we're saying there it's so distinct it's so strange and actually the the, tara pointed it out and i couldn't unhear it after she pointed it out she said the main person it reminded her of vocal wise was charlie manson uh she said it had (laughs) it had that, that 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 kind of the, even even the use of man he
3: says man he says a lot man. I, it's
1: well, more it, it, lyrically it, it, than it's it's in the way he talks not in the way that Manson
3: would sing his cadence also makes me think of San Francisco like very much like that accent from San Francisco which you know of course Charles Manson spent a lot of time there and saying man and the, the <laughs> and history <saying> man. <laughs> like the history of like um, you know, spoken word beat poetry um, I, I think that, that that is a cadence that was so familiar through that maybe maybe that was my closest touch tone yeah yeah and it, but the energy was great
2: yeah yeah there's also an element to it like i think uh, jim haynes when he when he was working at the shop on valencia at the record store i think his description of it was it sounds like you're listening to the speed freaks on the corner it, it mm-hmm. has this and, manic and
1: frantic and hustler-like quality to it again as there
2: is well. a reason for that <laughs> yeah. there is a reason for that yeah <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Oh.
0: Oh yeah. oh.
3: yeah. 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 I'm. I'm yeah, absolutely I, sure. I, and, he, and he talks
0: about. He talks about that in. Yes, he does. In. Exactly. In, in industrial culture.
2: And that was
3: I, such a fascinating interview in industrial I culture. I was. I was hoping.
2: I. I when. He, when he, we he, saw. So I'd done a few shows with him in the 2000s, and I. I would ask him like, whenever we do the shows in. In Chicago, I'm like, would you have any interest in doing an UNTS thing? at all like i can i will do if you want to just focus on one thing i'd be i mean health. i could be on stage for them that'd be great like i i will it, wh- whatever i need to do to help make that happen let me know he's like well i don't really have the chemicals that would yeah. do that and i don't want to so it's again, right but, right but that, that was- manic thing and that's why i'm so fascinated by the long form versus the short form like and also the fact that the stuff on life sentence which i did not know initially it wasn't like one take because what happened well not one take it wasn't like a live performance i right i did right. not realize till later like this was cut up from from various uh, various performances because the first thing i heard on the uh live at target which was supposedly actually not supposedly the first live performance of UNS2, which was on the 20th of uh, 24th of march however a lot of these things were recorded march 17th at Aldo's bar. So that, so what I realized is he was very clear on the March 24th one as the first public debut. So I I wonder like, did he just, was this a private event? Almost like the Kremlin party. I never got an answer. because i never asked him that, but the the material that was recorded on the 17th, is that where this all came from? Because he talks about like working outside and like there's strip bars and outside, which influenced the lyrics. Um, But I was, I was really intrigued by like how when I started to recognize where the layers come in, that this is not just a one-time, one real-time one real time event of recording, like where we see things starting to loop in, which comes like, I think, Careless with People starts to get, you hear the same person's sound in the background, things like that. Um, and actually, another side thing, which we've touched on a little with the noise, one of the things that also made this for me, especially at the time, different than anything else I heard, is you heard what one might call errors. Like the tape drops out in one channel, and also it's so hard panned. Like there's a vocal on one side, noise on the other. Yeah. For the instrumental tracks, it's it's combined on both channels. But you hear like equipment falling apart, which is like oh that that seems strange. It's not like this super you know you know beautiful relative like Merzbow recording. Like it's it's cleaned, it's linear. Like this like things are falling apart. And part of his like low tech, no tech stuff like that, that really is kind of interesting about documenting the event. And especially with uh, Life Sentence, because he had created those tracks, like he chose, he made decisions, like leave in again, What some a noise, not a noise, but an official be like, wait, well, why did we suddenly lose the left channel? But he wanted that in there. Because again, part of that cut up feel like sometimes you're gonna get something panned hard, right? sometimes you get nothing to deal with it. Right. And, and even on the, uh, when you do the shuffle for the disc, there are blank spaces because the yeah. cassette have blank spaces. And, and it, so, extended mm-hmm.
1: silences after it's, some of the tracks before it leads into it's, another it's, one. Yeah. But it's
2: such, yeah. It's such a great idea. And, and I really like what you, what did you mention, uh, Mike? Like it's kind of an artifact, like you might not be able to play this as was like, be like this would be awesome. Like cut up even more, but we, you know, when I worked with Will Reader on this, and you know, Zeb obviously weighing in, it's like that is a brilliant idea because you're going to have this like burst of stuff, burst of information, and suddenly it's just dead silent for like eight seconds. Yeah. Like, what what's going on? It's like that's that's part that's part of that the pause that refreshes, or like you know, that the negative space. And it was that was so intriguing to me. So it's just. Yeah. You were going to have to, you have to address it. And I think everybody here has kind of mentioned this. You have to address it on its own terms. Like great. What you're talking about. like It's, it's like, mm-hmm. this is it, take it or leave it. And it's, it's not a lot of people really ready to take it.
1: <laughs> right. It's I've listened to this actually a good few times since you suggested we do this for an episode. And, I find it strangely comforting now, his cadence, the way he speaks, the tone of his voice, uh, which seems to be processed using a bullhorn megaphone like for, for all this stuff. And there's a video of the, the he's on the live at Target VHS as well as the LP compilation. And you can find that live at Target performance on YouTube. Uh, maybe we'll link that in the description. It's pretty interesting to watch. I normally, you know, like in the industrial culture handbook, you see him. Uh, I, I Pictures of bald and maybe with a headband and a cigarette in his mouth and some gloves on banging on some stuff. That is like my picture of Zev. I got to play with him in the two thousands and, um, and that's, the, it fits that to a T. Uh, but in this video, he's got, he's got hair, you know, and he looks, he just looks different. It's a different sort of Zev that I'm used to seeing. And I guess that's because it's uns. <laughs> yeah. Uns.
2: And, and there's like the, um, the six examples video that was put out. Which is great it's, it's it's six examples of his performance styles. There's some stuff on that as well. I have not and seen that. It's yeah, it, but it's, it is it's fascinating to see him like when in, we mentioned the industrial culture handbook. Like when he's talking about okay, I have to get a style. It's like you know, pictures of him like 75. He's like got hair. He looks like he just looks like a hippie, right? And <laughs> and this idea of how to present these pieces as personas is that was a huge aspect of, of the uh, of the of the concept of the art he was working with. Like the persona piece. Like all right, this is the uns thing, and then. One of the things he talked about in the in the booklet for the uh, Unus Momento was describing the project to people because they like couldn't get like people were like oh it's you're 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 in the band he's like I'm not the band I'm part of the band like what are you talking about and and it <laughs> was really hard like in sound in poetry and language, language they'd be like okay we can get this but like you know there was a piece where he's talking about how he's going back and forth with this guy it's like well you're Zev he's like yeah but this what you just saw wasn't Zev. It was because, but you're in it. It's like that's not the point. And it was just this, you know, getting like really headstrong. It's like that was one of the many reasons like this project didn't take off because like nobody knew how to market it. Like <laughs> Zev is a name that you're like, oh, that's kind of fun. Like Zev, that's an interesting name. But it's like it's German for us. It's and then the whole story about how he got the name, which is he looked at a matchbook that was upside down. It said Sun, and it's like okay. he's
0: like, <laughs> so, ta- so Tara, so Tara noticed this. She was just looking at something and then saw and she's like,
2: oh.
3: Well, I I was looking um, through your discography and and one of your CDs is The Sun Upside Down. And when I read that, I realized immediately that Uns was The Sun Upside Down. And that's what made me think about it.
2: And that that recording was an homage to amazing stuff. Because,
3: yeah. And that was fascinating. It was... uh, what, A to N Shirdloo? Like the it, it's, it's on
2: Sherdloo, the typesetting yeah, issue. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's all was- of
3: that. Very cool to look at early typesetting <laughs> machine. It was like a frequent mistake they made because you would use it as a placeholder, and yeah. people would forget, and, 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 and it would show up places.
2: The, and the etancherlie would also be like, mm-hmm. it's what they set when they had an error, so you knew, like, all right, from here on, this is garbage. We have to reset the type. Yeah. And it was, and they used it because those are the most common letters, so they could dispose of those pretty quickly. But yeah, it's like it's like a QWERTY typewriter. Like etancherlie is is the is the code for like it's kind of like at the end of an old news story, they do dash thirty dash as a as as a signifier of like, we're done. So, yeah.
1: And I guess since Tara mentioned it, it's a good time to bring up Blake, you've been recording for 30 years now, releasing music for, for that long.
2: Yeah. Uh, three years ago, I was going to do a 27th anniversary <laughs> release, but now it's going to be 30 years and it's going to be called like dash 30 dash. They'll be like, oh, right, there you go. Oh, yeah, That's
1: great. So that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, how did you get started with this stuff? I mean, this live at target must've been an entry point.
2: It, it was, although my super entry point was, um, a year or so before I got that live at target, I, I worked in a, a local park district that was like, it was basically where like if you're, if, oh, here we go. If, um, if whole foods want to do a retreat, they go to this park. That's what we had. And I'm like 16 years yeah. old and I'm like punk rock, blah, 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 misfits, yada, yada. I had a coworker who was seven years older than me, which is a gift in many ways. And Adam. He was also probably, I think I've mentioned this to the group, he might've been the first tattooed person I knew. Because this is in Walnut Creek, California. It's like just a boring suburb. Anyway, so Adam was also the first person I know knew who had a driver's license where he had half of his facial hair shaved off. So, so he had, you know, <laughs> yeah. a, big, a big goatee on. He was, and, and uh, side note, which you can cut later if you want. I remember we were talking about his tattoos and he, he showed me, he looked up his shirt and he had this huge, huge dragon piece and I was like, we were talking about inspiration for the tattoos. I said, what was the inspiration for that one? He's like, oh, my friend just needed to practice. Okay. So this is the kind of guy, this is the kind of guy I'm dealing with. And I'm, I'm liking this. You need this to dude. practice
3: large scale dragons. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: And you've got, you've got canvas. Um, so he made me a tape. Cause I was like, you know, telling the whole, oh, with Misfits and all this punk rock. Stuff and he's like, All right, here. And he gave me a mixtape or not mixtape, it was a comp, uh, split on one side of this classic C90 was um, it was Psychic TV and it was probably Dreams Less Sweet. I don't have the tape anymore, which is all good and well. On the flip side was Diamond of Gloss's Sand to the Pit and it scared Ooh. the living hell out of <laughs> me because I'm, I'm driving home from work one evening and the tape flipped over and then suddenly it's Diamond of Gloss. And somebody here, hand raised, was not ready for that. It was, <laughs> it was incredible. And then, and then after that, like I was intrigued by that kind of stuff. And then probably when I started doing just garbage recordings at home, um, and probably in college, when uh, a roommate of mine who I knew from Walnut Creek actually we went to school together, we started doing um, junk metal percussion. Um, just because we wanted to do it i mean i had i had an idea like i wanted to do some stuff greg was on board we had um another friend who came in my my friend marcello who does does audio stuff still um and we we just would do we started doing derail was the name of that band and we just did junk metal percussion we we wanted to be if if we were fantasizing we were a cross between like Noibotten and top and gristle because it was like we had guitar process, we had junk, like we washing machine parts, just all sorts of crap. Um, and then then I decided I just want to do stuff on my own because why make it not dem- democratic? So I just started Bertonin probably around that time and started, started releasing stuff.
1: Yeah. And when did crippled intellect, your label, come into
2: play? That L- came in right then. i came yep. in, in nineteen ninety. So I had to have something for fact sheet five to mention when they were doing a <laughs> review right um and nd uh like like was mm-hmm. talking like muckraker est like yeah. everybody like give me give me some attention so um
3: a- do you speak german no i don't okay just just. Curious. but
2: Tonin is is german yeah yes. for right. set to music yeah yeah um so yeah, that was the, that was the start of uh, CIP, which i I used for a long time. I just would call it CIP because Intellect you know, like, production was from the mind of like a 17 year old so I'm like that's just that's I didn't like it anymore, but you know, don't run from your past, it's your life. so <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: But this was the first CD
2: yes yeah this was the very first cd um i'd done a pile of seven inches beforehand a pile like five or whatever but yeah this was the first the first pro press that eric did ground like he he hooked me up with the printing for that like he or the the pressing yeah that was did he do the booklets too no i did those my not myself but um i had them printed so i'm in chicago at that point and i had a a vendor who I worked with through my job, and I, I had, I had, I paid him obviously, but he he did it because it was an odd size. Like I had this very, um, <laughs> I wanted it to look a certain way, and it's like it wasn't going to be done easy because it had to be a different size to hold the CD, yada yada. But I did for the, um, you know, I sourced out the paper, do the replica for the limited edition of hundred. I bought the brass rings, and I did, I did hand close those myself. Um, yeah, and then, uh, I also had Zev sign things, so it was. It was yeah, all done in all done in Chicago for the launch into the world of, of CIP for uh uh compact disc land.
0: So and was the decision to call to call the CD Zev? Was that was that did that just go into the the idea of the confusion of it being uns and actually having the artist be Zev, even though technically it's
2: uns? You know, right now, I'd like to take credit and say that was the case. It wasn't. Um, It was because um, I, I mean, I'd mostly, I mean, I've been corresponding with him as Zev. and I just, and he actually was like, we just call it an uns memento. The the one play Mm. that we did do is the idea of, because memento, it should be spelled, if it's like a memento mori, it's M E. And we did mo like a moment. It's like a, a moment in time. So that was that was the only real language play involved in the titling of this. But it was also because as I would say, like nobody is going to care about Unz. Like if you release something in a world called Unz, it's going to Stephen Tapper will hear about, it, and that's about it. So you know we want to make sure it is. This is Dev. Zev, this is one of the things that he was involved in. So that was that was part of the part of the main driving decision for what to call it.
1: It's a that really handsome booklet that's put together it has lyrics for the first I think the 14 oh my God. pieces.
2: <laughs> so typesetting that was I mean I would have emails with Zeb where I was I was copy editing from the original version mm-hmm. and th- this is this is what I adore about working with him with this. I'm like okay in the uh when your body touches wild animals you have nine eyes but it sounds like you say it seven times he's like yeah correct <laughs> it like it's it, but that was the love <laughs> we were doing because you know, yes. like, you know it says like you know like an animal like okay how many else do you want for that and it was it was so fun because it was so anal retentive but Zeb, like dude had a memory like a steel trap with this stuff so it's like wow. yeah like i want to make sure this is right and like i asked him like for the for the reproduction booklet like we made sure all the line breaks were accurate unless there was like, we had another where, like there were cases where he would say where and what. And I said, it sounds like there's a fourth or third one in here. He's like, okay, put it in. That was a, that was a blast. But again, the bigger part was the biggest coup was getting him just like, you know, we just had an email interview about what this project was about. And that was, that was one of the best things ever. Cause it, like I said, it, it had been with me since, you know, 87 and to have this opportunity to, to like, really like, get the answers i wanted That's super selfish like i want to know about this and like all right i'm going to the source so yeah
1: the repetition and use of language is is made even more shocking by its documentation here because it's so frantic and stuttered and repetitious that it you actually read all of that here and it feels it's not how we're used to reading lyrics at all like it's not like chorus times 4 or whatever it's like yeah. you have this mm-hmm. this really wild list of commas and stutters and repeated letters and repeated words and half of a word and it's it never quite feels right much mm-hmm. like the actual dialogue on the disc it it just also assaults you in this way. But then the second half of the book is taken up with Zev's writings about save what and your interview with him. And then some of your own writings about the process, which we're kind of covering here, but uh, it's a really nice document of something to come out of that, that we don't often get with sort of historical stuff. So this was obviously an inspiration enough to you to kind of make sure that all of this was properly reproduced and documented and written down somewhere. And for, yeah. s- for something from the kind of, golden age of industrial and noise. It's, it's actually really important that 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 was done.
2: And one of the things that I was thinking about today, when I was taking some notes for further conversations, like when you read through all that text, you realize how many words he gets out in not 30 minutes. Cause there's instrumentals in there. Like all that comes at you. And this goes back to like the amphetamine fuel stuff. Like it is so, and his editing choices, it is so rapid fire, which goes back into like these little packets of information that maybe they'll stick. Maybe they won't. Doesn't, doesn't matter to him. As long as it gets out there, it's up to you what to do with it. But that was one of the things that even as I was, you know, again, typing out the nine eyes versus the seven, it's like, my God, there are so many words. And it's, it's, it's fast. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a delight. What
0: I was doing throughout this listen was sort of writing down. I wasn't, we were, we, we were reading on a little bit, but then I was also just listening and writing down the phrases and words that the the data that stuck in my brain. Yes. So for, for slow music, are you a morbid person? That was, that was my Mm. line that just, it just came right out. And I was like, yes, are you a morbid person? Uh, when when you're, wait, what was the, oh, fools and tools. They don't fool me, you know? And I love, but then there's all these other things that happen around that. But for whatever reason, that was the information packet that stayed in my brain. Are you a that's, morbid person? Stayed in my brain with slow music.
2: And I love- That's, that's awesome. That. That's for, when I think of slow music, I just like that, that almost like uh, defeated- uh, they they go make me feel better. It, it sounds like <laughs> yeah. someone who doesn't know what they want. And then when the first time he says blood on their pants, it's like okay, whoa, whoa, whoa pump the brakes. What? How do we get from that to this? And then actually, Tara, I I thought of you from the uh, the talk with uh, Stanko on TAC when you were talking about being in a fight with Latin. Um, oh. <laughs> but but the wrapped in a blanket. How's it spelled? Like w r a it's like rapture. It's it's wrapped like wrapped attention. And it's, it's so, and again, he's, he's very aware of, he was very aware of like how, how to permutate and work with language and to, you know, adjust your expectations. But like how much just that word "rap"? like, again, you know, that's not spelled right, but then how it, how it explodes as the information packets. Like, but I really thought of that, like, you know, getting in a fight with Latin, like, this is like, you've seen this, like, this isn't a word. And it's like, (laughs) it's like, and then by the time you're frustrated, if you are frustrated with the fact that it's not a word, bam, we're on the instrumental.
0: Like, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take your tears we,
2: somewhere else.
0: <laughs> no signs of violence. And then, we just get in the instrumental. So, right. No, you're right. It's so rapid fire that you, you're already on two, you know, chunk, whatever we want to call it, two songs ahead when you're still thinking about the songs behind. So, it's, it is this, like, locomotion.
3: It's really funny that you say that now because when we were listening to it, I was... I would say stressed a little. Just trying to catch up. Trying to catch up. I was <laughs> yeah. just like, oh, I was like breathing heavy. And I was just like, man, I need to like, I need to chill out. Like, I don't know <laughs> why I feel so like, I feel like this, my heart, my heart racing, my heart rate was up. Uh, <laughs> did you know you what, feel what the I mean? Like way, whole thing.
2: Did you feel the same way, Tara, for save what? Save the what?
3: The save longer piece what? Or? No, not at all. Save what for me was just so... Um, it it felt like a ritual, like like for <laughs> yeah, that's a for great description. Ones. Like I I really kind of felt the ritual in the last piece, and it felt like that there was a process, and we were going through something. But it also, it was more foreboding and and kind of ominous and dark. And I guess that maybe, opening
2: that opening like lurching yeah. sound yeah. yeah. is it's like you I, in my mind, and you can see you'll see pictures in um I think they have it in the uh, One Foot in the Grave book. Uh but just the setup at head of polopholis, I think that's how you pronounce it in the Netherlands, it's just like speakers, like wall. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's on the Kremlin, sorry, I should say it's on the Kremlin party cassette. It's just like this massive wall of speakers. And that first lurching sound, it's like there's something going on here. And then when what you said, Tara about the ritual, one of the things and I, I sent I think I sent all of you, and shame on me if I didn't, the the audio for the other the other the two CD set I did Yeah, of this. Yeah. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um what about the long form that's so appealing to me. And I'm really latching on what you said with ritual is he's describing what's happening, right? He's Mm -hmm. describing, he's like, he'll talk about like, okay, there should be something happening here. And then what happens, he starts narrating it like in, in the um, save what he's like, he's like, okay, too much, not enough. Cause he's doing the feedback and he's like basically narrating what the gear is doing. And again, this is not what I hear from, you know, air quote, industrial music. You're you're telling me what your cassette players are doing. You're telling me how the record is skipping. You're telling me how your mic's not working. Like what the hell is happening here? And and the fact that it's a ritual. And he talks about how at the book he was channeling some otherworldly spirit, which uh that's not my I didn't dip into that worlds of, but mm. it's like, what is going on that you're just and, and at the end, when you talk about all yes. the silence, it, it's like they're just listening to him talk about, like, well, we could have blown this. And it's but, like, yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> you're just telling me what you could have broken. But yes, but the there is, he is the sound. You don't hear the yeah. audience mm-hmm. because going to this ritual, like he is, and he talks about, and Zev often talked about and uh, accurately did, like, you know owning a space with a sound where it's percussion, the metal percussions or something like there, he was in control of this room, whether he was in control of the inspiration or not, he's like, that's up for debate, but you were there for this ride. You were there for this ritual and journey. And it, if, if what, it, it what, if what it is, is is saying, okay, you don't need ears, ears to hear the bass it's so loud. Cause you're feeling it like that. He's describing it to us. So what is, yeah how is this hamburger lady you know it's like what is, <laughs> it's and it's and that's me again it's it goes back to what we alluded to earlier like you're coming to this on his terms and you're yeah. in it mm-hmm. or you're and like you said terry you're gonna be catching up to it if you can't deal with it yeah. or you're just gonna be like i have no idea what i experienced but some there is something going on here so i'm kind of glad he was telling me that the feedback was too much and he was jesse but it's like what what. The ritual, I, I really, I'm glad you said that because he, he would talk about these things like incantations and things like that. Mm. And even like when he does the percussion stuff, he was saying like he's conscientious for like a few minutes of it, but then it's just like the space and the reverberations are going through him and taking over. But the the un stuff is just so, and again, with the long form ones, like when he's just talking about on one of the, uh, it's not Check It, I think it's the Live at Brixton one, where he's he can't get the tape player to work. He's like, somebody should be talking, but it's not me. This box should be doing something, but it's not. And then it starts. And they start saying, okay, yeah. now we're, it's like, what, what on earth was, you know, it, it's, yeah, it, that to me is just like, I really, and Beth, when you're asking Gray about influence, like, I I was smitten by being confused. And that was right. like, again, DM of gloss. I had no idea what was, what was happening. Right. I mean, it's just It's wailing and it was, I mean, again, I I adjusted and I began to really dig into it, but that was the value of this kind of stuff for me, like just not understanding it. And that piqued my curiosity for sure.
3: It's so uniquely coming from a place of almost vulnerability. Like certainly it is a a, a dangerous and active vulnerability, but just owning any mistakes, even when he's describing in the interview um, in the industrial culture handbook, the things that went wrong on the, was it Lights of Broadway? I think that was that performance. Oh yeah,
2: Um, the EQ not being cut and stuff. Yeah, yeah,
3: they didn't cut out the highs. So instead it was just like this punishing high and they were supposed to bring them down from positive 12 to negative 12. But instead it was just like like beating everybody uh, in the audience, including himself. But like even discussing um, the goals prior, but then even still going through it and examining that as part of the piece, like I, I, I think that there, the, the thing that's so intoxicating throughout everything that we're listening to is a vulnerability and an openness that people don't generally expose.
1: There is a but- vulnerability there, but it, it's also uh, it, it feels dangerous, which you mentioned. And I think that comes from the unpredictability of all of this. Like mm-hmm. you you could listen to this a thousand times and you're not going to get the flow of the information packages you're saying, or the, the lyrics oh. or the or the audio because it changes and drops out and you make little notes here and there, there are changes, but largely the base of at least the first 14 sort of tracks, which are actually 98 tracks, is a very similar bed of sound over which this stuff is laid over. But you're. It's also like you said. There's there's technical malfunction. There's uh, r- recording difficulties. There's different fidelities and changes that are being made to the sources. St- to that, it lulls you into this sort of false sense of security, and while staying completely unpredictable the entire time.
2: And it, it actually, what's the thing that I go back to off that? I like what you're saying. Like the fact that there are glitches or things that. Here's my caveat. They seem like errors because he chose. This is how he chose to assemble it. That's right. the part that's so <laughs> right, right, like right He said, yeah. like, there's, "There's a part. Um, I think for advanced behind at the beginning, it sounds like so. He's got a cassette recorder and he's accident. Ac- I say accidentally, but again, this was this conscientious decision. Later, like he shifted the speed variable. So what? this uh, yes. real quick. And it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and these kind of things. And I think. And again, I, I never asked them about this, but what you said earlier, like. I think he wouldn't want you to ever get it all. Like, right. you know, the idea is like, it's like the Rorschach test that people talk, oh, it's a big mm-hmm. field of sound. You take out what you get in. But it's like, that kind of stuff is is super valuable because then A, it, it, its value carries on. I mean, I'm not, this, we're not saying it's going to be, you know, Oedipus Rex read through thousands of years, but this the, the idea is like, you can keep going back to it. And when you mentioned, as you folks are talking about the vulnerability, I like that the, the last track, as it were, on um by sentence he, he talks about. I want to get this phrase up real quick. Oh, he, but he, he repeats the phrase. It's beyond my control. And again, right. it's mm-hmm. just like oh, but again, decisions yeah. in editing. Like what a way to end that because you know you uh, and I think what you're saying, Tara. Like this, you're you're in this wild ride, this carousel that's spinning around frantically. And he's kind of like and back to what you're saying about like is it I, actually? I apologize for you said it grayer for those uh, terrorists of this, but you know like. You're not gonna get everything, and he's like, "Well, you're gonna have to do the best you can because there's nothing I can do either." Right. And, listen- <laughs> and, and when you're listening to it for 40 minutes, I'm not gonna be able to help you either because sometimes there's gonna be too much feedback. I'll let you know that I'm turning it down. But yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> right. it's so it's just it's a fascinating. Um, and as as would had said, like it's born out of like sound poetry and and that sort of realm, which he did a lot in the mid 70s. So it's it's really. I I like what you guys are saying about like how you, yeah, you pick up these small things and that's enough to, to riff off of. So.
0: Yeah. And, and it's, you know, and then, you know, the four of us can all hear different sets Mm -hmm. of things and then combined, maybe it becomes this larger thing, but it, it is, it, it makes it even, even the way the CD is set up with the, the ability to do the random tracks. I mean, this is, it's interactive, whether or not it's interactive with mentally, whether or not it's interactive physically and how you're thinking about it. It, And, and, and like we're saying, it just, it can change. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of noise in general. I think just how it does change different listening, settings can really change
3: settings, ages, moods, all
0: that stuff.
3: Audience always. I think it
0: changes so much. uh, And, and maybe more so than other, you know, music or whatever. I think noise, as we say, noise does what other music can't or won't. And so I think I can, I can't imagine for you. I mean, you've listened to this record since the eighties. Yeah. And, However many times you've listened to this, obviously when you're putting this out, you listen to this daily because you were doing the transcriptions. There's no way that you could be, (laughs) you did this seven or nine times. To be fair,
2: to be fair, I had, I had the, um, no, I, I, I I think I borrowed the original from, uh, from Will so I could do, so I I think I had done photocopies first and then, so I was, I was typing, but I was also listening and, and doing the, yeah. So it's like the seven, Seven eyes versus the nine eyes, like that sort of stuff. It it was, yeah, it was a beautiful saturation.
3: (laughs) Did you ever get into a crazy place with it where you were like, um, just, I don't know, like thinking in uns uh, or, or like feeling like pulling like deeply complicated things out of the text? And you're like, maybe I need a break. No, no, no,
2: no. Because it was, it was um, and this again, as I don't know if it will be a cliche, but it was just so fun. It was such a joy to do this. Because again, it was going to be the first thing I was doing. It was my first thing with, again, um, I I don't buy buy into like having heroes, but like Zeb, Zeb was a huge inspiration. That's what I'll say. He was hugely inspirational in my formation as, as whatever I do. And to be working with him, point one is great point two to be working with him on this project that was that had been still like what you were losing this had been sticking with me it was in my craw and i could never get enough of it like it just open up the gates for me in terms of input and i you know back backstory and that was that was huge so yeah there was there was very little of like yeah I, yeah nothing went too too wacky it was just about like you know making sure and, and that was tied to other things like because I was doing this for someone who I really cared about uh, and came to know over the course of many years since I want to do it. Right. That was the right. biggest thing for me. I wanted to do it right. I wanted it to reflect what he wanted to reflect. Mm-hmm. So the chopping to nine nine tracks, which you No know, Will did great. Like I, I want, and that was my label and even my ballast label I run now. It's like the artist, this is about you as the artist. So I want this to reflect you. So when you have this release in your head, you can say, I, this is, this is, this is, reflecting everything that I have to say about this release. And, and that's, that's what it was for, for Zev with that. And I was like,
3: Price of admission right there. Well, you know what? It comes off that way. This is so respectful. It's treated as an artifact. Um, There's so much information to be found. Again, you know, maybe that was part of my stress. It's just like, I like to read things a few times before we discuss them. Like, I got to read all these liner notes one more time. I really want to understand.
0: Information overload. But that's... Oh my
3: God, yes. That's
0: sometimes (laughs) it produces some of the best...
3: But I I do have a question. Yeah. Oh, in the liner notes. Um, Yes. He references a really killer performance, possibly his favorite performance at Joseph Papp's Public uh, Theater yep. jo- uh, in 1982. Yes. Uh, and they said they couldn't find the recording. Did you ever track it down?
2: No, no, that wasn't the only ones. I The only ones like I'm very fortunate to get the four. I, the, well, all of these I got, but the four that subsequently made up the uh, two CD set. Um, no, that one. Don't, nobody knows where they where it is, or at least. I did at the time. It's not nothing I ever received from him. However, the still what is a bonus for me is that I was able to get save what because that one has what he was saying is the only successful channeling of an extra world spirit with the end right. with the frequencies and like he had to he, whatever he says. At the end, it's like if I didn't kill it, then we don't know what have come, could what could have come through the speakers. Which <laughs> is again that was that was really yes. great that we got that. But the but even though the ones that I did get for the the two disc set like when a little bit what you're saying gray about like how the space how people respond in the space at one point and this ties to his i would say zev's we talk about control and vulnerability but there is a point where somebody is screaming die at him it's like 25 minutes and they're just screaming die and zev in a totally calm blase voice he says well I was asking for that ten minutes ago. It's pretty easy to have hindsight and just like this. I mean, <laughs> he would be right. someone who could really shut down a heckler very well. <laughs> right, he right. like, didn't care. Like it's it's like he knows that again. This was not his most popular thing, but in the audience, like they sometimes hate it. Sometimes they it they fed off it. But it was uh, a that, that that's a pretty funny thing. It's like he just has this very. I think about how artists sometimes when they're performing, if something goes wrong, they they freak out and he's just like, he'll just keep talking through it. And it is like, you know, it makes me think of some early, not early, but some of the Nautical Almanac shows I would see where like they would, they would say, all right, we don't, we aren't really sure what's going to work here, but let's take a ride. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and with that mindset and like and Eric Lundy does that a lot. I saw him, he did a show at the like bottle and something just blew out. He's like, Oh, that was interesting. And then he's just up... And you're just going to wait for him to fix that on stage. And it's... But that that makes me... That's why, again, that's why I like Eric's worth a lot. And that's why I like to collaborate with him. Because it's it's this comfort. And, and so it's kind of interesting. Like, it's this control, comfort, and vulnerability. And to be able to wrap that up in the, these kind of performances, that's that's something I feel doesn't happen. At least I can't think of the top of my head that happens a lot in that sort of... Uh, and not even in equal terms, but just that he's willing to, Zeppo's willing to like go out there with these sort of things, and like see what happens. And then if you don't like it, that's, that's fine. (laughs) You know, it's going to happen.
1: And thinking of gear going wrong and equipment malfunctions, you know, he talks about the stuff he was using for these performances, like (laughs) a Farfisa organ that had been pulled out of Carl stone's house after a fire. And he wasn't sure if it would even work Uh, a bunch of crude tape decks, thrift store equipment, thrift store, tape decks, thrift store, cheap, crappy, like 1950s microphones, yeah. just whatever sort of stuff he could stolen find. Turntables, tables. <laughs> yeah. Stolen pieces of, of equipment and garbage. Like in, in, uh, he talks about in the, uh, industrial culture handbook interview is really great. And also, uh, very much worth reading. If anyone listening to this hasn't read the industrial culture handbook, there's a lot of amazing insight from sort of the luminaries of this, this stuff. And Zev is very well covered in there. And I I just think it's really interesting to generate these sounds with like tape playback, skipping records and, and kind of busted turntables. And I'm trying to hear an organ anywhere in there. And I don't, there's no, (laughs) there's no hearing of an organ. Whatever it's doing is completely malfunctioning. And like I said, it really, to me, translates to a lot of, of power, a lot of energy in this music. And he talks about energies and he talks about ritual and he talks about trance and you know, it's any of those things you do have to kickstart. You are starting that stuff. No one goes into a trance by not, you know, randomly you have to have some sort of catalyst for it. That's some energy you're taking in when you talk about him, maybe not really remembering or not planning. Like when he's playing shows as Zev, like he's there for the first couple of minutes and then it's, He's going on instinct and and trance. He's in performance mode and playing. And I think a lot of us have felt that when we, when we play music and when we listen to music and noise, especially. And I I just find all of that really interesting to look at that through the lens of this stuff where it's, I can't even fathom it. Like I didn't think that these vocals were necessarily spoken i felt like they were cut up and the megaphone processing gives it all the same sort of tone and inflection in a way so i'm not sure if every i when he's going i i i i like like that i'm not sure if those are cut together on tape or if he's saying them and then you hear it in the save what live performance and you hear and you if you check out the target video performance it's also there you see him he's this is him reciting these things. And yeah, maybe it's not word for word written down or what he had written down somewhere. Cause I can say what he's talking about what's going on, but it, it lent an even further thing to where it's almost speaking in tongues. Like he is in yeah. a trance. He is possessed. There is some energy that's going on with him and through him. That's being transmitted through this equipment and through this, this megaphone. And uh, it's, it's really a strange Release Like the noise on its own could stand really well. It's got that millstone grinding, heavy noise, nice texture, cavernous feel. It's got all these things, these qualities about noise that I love, especially in the long form. And then you pair it with this sort of really unhinged, but also casual, but also like high pressure in some way, like sales pitch hustle thing where like I don't yeah I don't trust what he's telling me because he sounds like he's trying to talk too fast or give me so much information that I can't process all of it but he also sounds totally casual and comfortable and at ease doing that and it makes you buy into the con a little more and (laughs) it's a really unique and standalone thing to experience and I'm, I'm glad you brought this to us. Like, I'm really yeah. glad that I got to yeah. spend some time and that I've just dove into this release because it's I, there's not a lot like it. I mean, Lundy is a great comparison, but this is all still very, like, uniquely Zev.
3: I thought of another vibe he has, and that would be like he's semi-feral.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: definitely, definitely. He's Maybe s- just fully feral. He's a feral guy. <laughs> he does things
3: by his rule. He's like, oh, I could use that. I'm just going to take it. Uh, This is what music is like. This is how I'm going to do this. Right, even I have
0: determined this approach. When, like, like we referenced in the industrial culture interview, he talks about stealing the stuff is part. That's part of it. Of the entirety of the thing. Yeah. So yeah, like, like a feral cat collecting, grabbing some stuff, bringing it, hoarding it. You know, I like that.
1: Well, that's one of the things to think about with the Industrial Culture Handbook is that it's appropriately named. It is not an industrial music handbook. It is about the foundations of the culture birthed from industrial music, right? So it's giving us these other pieces. He talks, yeah, about ritual, about magic, about trance, about all that stuff. And you've got, you know, Mark Pauline talking about survival research laboratories or something like.
2: RNN talking about their installations and Bonnie Kazaza talking about his performances. Itself. Yeah,
1: <laughs> right. It, and it, it's not, it goes beyond just like. Here's this, he talks about with uns wanting to show that you could make noise and you could make this huge, heavy, and affecting sound without having uh I think it's referenced somewhere as a five thousand dollar synthesizer, which may well have been what synths were costing in nineteen eighty six, but uh and it's just garbage equipment and a thrown out organ and It sounds massive and huge and threatening and menacing and memorable and using the means you have and the creativity you have to achieve something that maybe it's not easy, but it's worth the work. And
2: Actually, one of the things that was really interesting for the to jump back to the uh, live at Target, uh, the inserts for it for the one, it said, you know, music. And I think, uh, I don't, uh, it's in the other room, but music by, and I think he used Shaol, Shaol Zeb for the name, but he said lyrics, and the lyrics were credited as hard truths. Which, I mean, yes! right? <laughs> Seriously. It's like, that is just so, that's so great because it, it, capt- it captures, I mean, a lot of what I think you guys are talking about here, especially we're just saying, Gray, this idea of like, it's just this. It, it's it's coming at you and you're you know you're going to duck or you're going to absorb what this what this information is and the the volume is something i had thought about as well because in some of the there are all the recordings um except for live sentence like they're all live like they're all done live and you can hear the space there and especially like say what like it's just it's it's he just it's like a vacuum it's so it's so amazing how he he manages to just take ownership of the space, and again, as you're saying, Tara, and you're alluding to elsewhere, like it it puts you. He's he is putting you in a trance in a state, and how well you're able to receive that is going to be dependent on so many other factors. But the fact again that, like for save what how it's just quiet at the end when it's just like you know the equivalent of like sixty hertz ground hum going, and he's just slowly talking about stuff that's happened and you know, you, he's making you hang on his every word. Like when, when you actually, like uh, Greg, when you say like coming at you like a salesman, like we've gone through for almost 38 minutes of this pitch and now here comes the big sell shot and <laughs> right. it's like, what's going to happen. And it's basically, it's like if I had a chance between listening to them or listening to you, I'd listen to them. Like, even then it's just like, you you can't, you <laughs> yeah. can't fully grasp it. And, that, and that's, I really like that you brought that up a lot. Great. Like this idea, like it's, it maybe should not, it's not intended like in basically think of him saying like, Oh, something was coming down the line. So we had to kill the power. because It would have been an otherworldly thing. It's like, you get nothing again and i think i had sent you in a message Great, it's like this like nothing left but the recordings like it's like this is all right you're lucky you're lucky to get any of this document i mean and not by me releasing it but just him performing it. it's like you're you might not forget this and as a quick side note carl stone played out in chicago a few years ago and i i mentioned i said by the way thank you for giving zev your broken organ for Oh my God, that's so what it was. It was, it was, it was, it was really kind of a a fun thing. But I figured, yeah, we're going to see him. I'm going to mention the the (laughs) freaking.
1: Do you know what else (laughs) this actually reminds me of and gives me the energy of is, uh, and especially when you're talking about him being able to shut down hecklers and Tara mentioned the, the lights of Broadway, (laughs) Performance is uh Klaus Kinski's Jesus Christ performance stuff. If you've heard or seen any footage Mm -hmm, of that where he's mm -hmm. on stage saying that he's the next coming of Jesus Christ to an audience and it's just like spotlight on him and people are heckling him and arguing at him and insulting him and yelling at him and he's he's just feeding off of that. And sort of the same thing here with like say what we're talking about, the gear and talking about what's going on, sort of making the performance is a spectacle which becomes a spectacle by the way that people interact with it. Furthermore, right. It it gets amplified by the energies of everyone that's involved in the space. And that has this same sort of that has that same energy to it here that it builds. It builds. It's a snowball, just gathering snow, rolling down a hill. And it it keeps feeding off the energy that's given to it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, Blake did the world a service by putting this out, documenting this permanently in this beautiful package. But we would also be remiss to not ask you a little bit about one of the three of our all-time favorite projects, all-time favorite releases. We mentioned it earlier. Everyone Gets What They Deserve by Crawl Unit. Can you, we got to get just a little bit. How'd How'd you end up working with Joe? How did that record come together? And the art, the title, I mean, was it, did you guys work together? Was that all Joe? what what, just a little bit about this seminal album
2: so i probably had known joe a handful of years before we did that because we met at uh norcal noise fest um Mm -hmm. in like god knows when i could go back it it (laughs) might have been 97 or 98 i don't recall um it had to be earlier now that i say that um but we had done a split seven inch Mm -hmm. because i liked i liked his work a lot and then this actually what you're the stuff you're asking, uh, like it, it, goes to the label on like, whatever you want to do. That's kind of it. I mean, it's like, whatever you want, you want metallic paper, ah, you know, that great, let's do right. it like this again. That, that was, that had been the idea for again for that and for ballast. Like I, I want the, I want the artists to like, feel like they have complete ownership of it, that I have faith in their work and what they're doing that I'll give them the keys. And so that, that's how, and and, and more and one of these things which is, uh, I mean, some people might consider it a little bit more dangerous, but it's like, he, he's a friend, so it's like, I almost don't care what he gives me, which is, again, that's not right, that's not the point, but it's like, I trust who he is, and I trust his aesthetic, so it's like, right. I, would, mm-hmm. I would like you to do a CD, full stop, that's it, yeah. like, I, and <laughs> you have ideas, and that's like, when I was, I was and I will use the word courting, when I was courting um, Scott Collinsman to do a chop shop thing for me, like, it was like, I was, you know, whatever you want to do, you want to release it in glass and a coffin. I don't care. Your music is fantastic, and I want. But that's how it was with Joe, and that's how it was with most of the, like Latisha like Castaneda, like anybody. It's like you, you as a person, I know you, and I like your work, and I want you to be satisfied with this release. So whatever it takes, and obviously nobody's like, well, I want it in platinum. You know, nobody's, you know, mm-hmm. they understand there are cost. There's cost prohibitive issues, but for the most part, if it can be done, I want, I want the artist to be happy with it, and and that that's yeah so i yeah i don't i i keep my nose out it, even with the um the the disasters of self box set I was just going to mention thing. that because
1: so, that's a really extravagant box. with yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> wasn't was, that taking was tons of work.
2: Yeah, and it, it, but it it didn't matter. It's like this is this is Joe. This is my friend, and this is something he wants to do, and I want to help realize it because I want his stuff out in the world. And so th- yeah, it, it, that's and that's pretty much holds true for any of the releases I've I've ever done. It's like I want I want I, at the end of the day I want the person the artist feel like okay good this was. I I enjoyed doing this work with you. You, you treated my work the way I wanted it. And that's, yeah. So, so yeah, that's, I, d- yeah, I didn't nudge Joe because one of the things with most of my friends who do music was like, we don't talk about the gear. It doesn't matter. I mean, like when my buddy Jason Talbot and I would go on tour, like it was about going bowling and playing mini golf. It's like, oh shit, we have to do the show too. Right. <laughs> it's, like, but it's like, it was, it was about like, the, you know, that, that, you know, it sounds very uh, soft and precious, but like that was, was just about hanging out with my friends and, and oh yeah, we'll also make this stuff with a broken turntable. So yeah, I I cannot I could not give you any more insight as to what Joe was thinking. But you know, it's like he he will he will always deliver, and he's always going to be a uh, good friend. So it's like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> Heck yeah! Fantastic.
3: You still bowling there? Um,
2: I haven't gone bowling in a while. Um, I yeah, I mean I've got I've got my own ball and shoes, but I haven't I haven't gone bowling. I used to. When I was teaching and I had more of my days were broken up because I was teaching at community colleges, I was adjuncting, I could go bowling in the afternoon down at University of Chicago. We do have a bowling alley on campus. I don't Uh. know, but hold on. You're gonna like this if you like bowling. I don't know what the oil pattern is they use down there. Oh, so amazing! I'm, um, That's, I'm gonna that, see you're what's deep, going so on. I like it. Yeah, i Love are. it because um, I feel like it's more a place to get food than bowl. So we'll see. But there's 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 some alleys. And I, again, I just put it in the back of the bike and just a scooter with the merse. Like, well, I called. I'll pretend it's a motorcycle. it's basically an automatic. Um <laughs> But yeah, I I, but I have not bowled in ages. Did um, you ever bowl church. at the fireside bowl? no not when not there was never never anything right. there that was that was serviceable at the time and i i right. remember though going to see shows there and not crying at that how abused the lanes were but that was a oh, bummer yeah. man it's like and yeah. i think now they are they have brought it back to bowling like there's oh, some point okay. goes on there but um yeah no it still no exists bowling. i thought it closed i i think or, it well i haven't checked in the last right. 10, uh, 10 years but right right, I, right, it, right. It, it had reopened though it had reopened yeah um,
0: okay yeah you know what i did hear that i think it's just it's just not necessarily the same vibe or yeah you know, yeah. It's just, you know a
2: little different than yeah it's when, not it's not going to be either it's not going to be bratmobile or zombie this was awesome wasn't it I this enjoyed, was so cool of yes! catching up with you it's like so yeah it is one of those which i kind of had a sense after like i've been talking i talked to chris frequently but it's like i kind of feel like it would be just like you know, I walked around the corner and you're there, and we're just having a conversation. I'm like it's like it's it wasn't like oh wait, there's Mike. Uh, yeah, there's right. oh dear. What do I see? <laughs> yeah, in these yeah, people? Yeah, yeah. Ah, no, a-
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. it's 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 always so casual.
1: Well, thank you, Blake, so much for bringing all this information and and for getting this out in the world. I mean, this could have been lost to a uh, hundred copies in 1986, and I don't know that I would have ever heard it. So. Uh, It's really appreciated. And your obvious passion for these recordings is also
2: very much appreciated. Thank you, everybody, for having me on. This is a wonderful, wonderful experience. I appreciate it.
3: Yay! You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years. By Veridant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noiseextra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noiseextra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise.